Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hello and welcome to another episode of New Books in Islamic Studies. I'm your host, Christian Peterson. Every program we choose a new book in Islamic Studies that's especially interesting, and we chat with the author of that book. For this program, I had the pleasure of speaking with Afsar Muhammad about his great new book, The Festival of Peers, Popular Islam and Shared Devotion in South India, which was published with Oxford University Press in 2013. Several studies about Islam in Asian contexts highlight the pluralistic environment that Muslims inhabit and the interplay of various religious traditions that color local practice and thought. In this book, we are given a first-hand account of the devotional life and dynamic setting that produces one such example. Muhammad documents public rituals and devotional stories revolving around a Sufi master and the 300,000 pilgrims from throughout South Asia who traveled to the small village of Gugudu. In the Festival of the Peers, we are shown how the events occurring during the month of Muharram and the narrative of the Battle of Karbala are transformed into a meaningful local frame. Here, the importance of the local becomes clear while both Muslims and Hindus participate in these events. In fact, participants identify their practices as Kulyapa Bhakti instead of the more singular categories we are familiar with, such as Muslim and Hindu. Muhammad also examines the tensions that arise between these types of practices, and the reformist activity of Muslims following what they call true Islam. In our conversation, we discuss frictions between mosque and shrine cultures, textual authority, the role of Telugu language, local and localized Islam, political sermons, public rituals, temporary asceticism, and religious identity. Here's our conversation. Thanks for listening to New Books in Islamic Studies. Hello, today I have the pleasure of speaking with Afsar Muhammad. Uh, welcome to New Books in Islamic Studies, Afsar. How are you? Hey, Christian. I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing great. I, I really appreciate you making the time to uh, to speak with us about your great book, The Festival of Peers. And mm-hmm. uh, I really look forward to you elaborating on this very vivid picture you, you paint for us in the book. So uh, before we get into the book, though, I was hoping you could uh, give our listeners a little bit of background about how you've got interested in Islamic studies, perhaps um, individuals that might have been influential on how you approach um, the study of Islam uh, mm-hmm. or theoretical perspectives, something like that. Uh, yes, Christian, uh, it's actually a long story, uh, not that easy to make it short. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, everything begins at home. So when you say training, it's in two modes for me, formal and informal. My mother, being a very strict Sunni Muslim, was very particular about my training in the Quran and the five pillars of Islam. It's in our family to complete the Quran before we arrive at the somewhat troublesome age of the teens. My mother would say, 
if you don't complete the quran before your teens your life would be incomplete and you remain unfinished person she taught me arabic and urdu with lots of love and motherly authority as well <laughs> the training was really vigorous getting up at the 4 before the sunrise the morning prayer and then at least 2 hours of arabic and the quran you know it's lots of memorization so much memorization that i would see these arabic letters dancing in my dreams and for every act of daily life including the nature scale i had one obligatory verse or surah from the quran you know christian when it comes to story time she would never fail to tell the stories from the hindu classics such as the ramayana mahabharata and bhagavata despite her strict sunni practices her ability to enjoy and sharing these hindu stories made me develop a comparative vision for both religions and in essence a pluralist view point at an early age and the story is not going to end there quite contrary to my mother's life for her my father being a very devoted leftist and a progressive writer always encouraged me to read his favorite leftist writers and now you can easily guess the configure configuration of my personality a cute bundle of contradictions yes cute because <laughs> i love contradictions and an offshoot of endlessly conflicting viewpoints literally driven from pillar to post see stories never never end again this story took a different turn when i arrived at the university of wisconsin madison as i have explained in the preface to my book uh, the festival of peers the life in madison made me take big leaps in my personal and professional paths my mentor professor welcher narayan rao garu while receiving me at the airport of madison his very first sentence was oh this is going to be a very very big adventure for you in many ways <laughs> then i said hope it won't be a misadventure <laughs> of course adventures and misadventures are not that uncommon for me that's a difficult and different story at the university of wisconsin madison i got an exposure to new research and uh, study methods this academic training had its foundation in a trajectory of cultural studies religions and anthropology i had wonderful teachers who really loved my work and made me rethink the questions of religious identities and narrative traditions most importantly they taught me how to learn and what to learn from the field and from the people when i started writing my dissertation 
under the guidance of professor charles halsey it was a big challenge in several ways including my personal transformations professor halsey has been very compassionate and also a tough advisor it was never an easy task to convince him about any of my ideas or arguments he always would find a new question to unsettle me madison is an ideal place for a south asian scholar thanks to its uh, summer language programs the big south asian annual conference and the thursday seminars no doubt i took maximum out of all these fabulous sources the academic training i had in madison helped me several ways in connecting myself to a larger domain of social cultural and religious theory actually the process what we call putting in a perspective took a positive turn in this training now officer um for this particular project uh which you developed out of your dissertation um how how did this uh how did this project develop what what made you go uh this route right uh before uh, this project uh, you know christian uh, was a published writer and poet in my home language telugu uh then when i arrived in madison my early plan was to work on muslim writing in india i wanted to translate and discuss contemporary writings that explore the complexity of muslim identity then when i started my work soon i realized that this question of muslim identity needs a more nuanced study and mere focus on literary texts would not help me in comprehending the contours of this identity formations and dynamics written narratives are no doubt wonderful fabulous sources however the real story of the muslim identity must be told from from the lens of oral narratives and their public manifestations so sainthood stories and public devotion have become my keywords in this search and then the public event of muharram actually is called pirla pandaga the festival of peace that is the festival of saints in my home language telugu i grew up participating and performing in this public event of muharram in my village and when i was in hyderabad the capital of the south indian state of andhra pradesh hyderabad is well known for its she model of this public event of muharram in 2002 even before planning to write a dissertation on this event i wrote a short story based on the idea how this event provides a public space for women to articulate their devotion to the family of the prophet muhammad the story was narrated by a female voice 
and i had a pretty good sense of how the story of maharam and its publicness made an impact on women and other marginalized groups of a specific social setting so this project began out of my own curiosity and love for the public event of maharam the stories about the historical karbala were significant part of my childhood writing this book is almost like going back to the childhood and retrieving those memories however i began asking a different question about this event we know how important is this public event of mohram for muslims either shi or sunni muslims but my question is why it is equally important for non muslims in india in the case of india it is not just about islam or hinduism as a religious system it's more about the caste system we have several caste groups that are more dominant less dominant higher and lower and at different levels of social stratification despite these multiple differences and different layers the public event of mohram is a big thing big event for almost all of these castes for some of these caste groups it's part of their caste history and for some families it is their family story it is really amazing to see how one story takes on these different colors the family of the prophet most importantly the grandsons of the prophet hasan and hussein are like homeboys for many of these families castes and villages i wanted to understand how one story that took place several thousand miles away somewhere in iraq and some hundred of years ago becomes a story of here and now how do local people understand the past of the history in the present times my book is a response to many of these questions uh, what i did was just to put them in a larger frame and theoretical kind of uh, perspective reworked on those questions by changing it to how does various practices and stories of one discrete religion turn into a source of devotion to other religions and how this exchange of devotional modes takes a shape in a public space and now it's a long journey for me rethinking various devotional concepts that are already familiar but now that began to look unfamiliar and various stories that i have known since my childhood now turned into new sources of learning there is lots of learning and unlearning here christian yeah and uh, you do a very good job here and i i think um one of the really interesting uh kind of theoretical uh lenses i think that you're putting here is this distinction between uh what you call localized islam mm-hmm. uh, versus local islam i'm yes. i wonder if you could kind of outline uh what those two are and then the relationship between them for us yes christian that's a great question actually that is the core of the book uh, uh but uh, what we call the process um, 
coming to this uh, two uh, big key concepts local and localized islam for me the process is still incomplete even though the book is out <laughs> we're always in process right <laughs> right right <laughs> uh, i must say that the field research made my life more complicated <laughs> <laughs> and it took me lots of time to put everything on paper before going to the field research uh, in my primary site i had several conversations with uh, professor jais klukigan who has always been my inspiration jais was always there to talk to me whenever i had questions about my field research i just needed lots of practical advice at that point and i tried my 100% to follow her advice which i usually don't do as far as the field work is concerned first thing she told me was to keep a log book of everyday conversations and visits and then when i was in this remote village of gugudu the border pilgrim center in south india that connected three south indian states three different languages three different cultures i was in this uh, pilgrim center for nine months yes real nine months pregnant with so many thoughts and questions by the end of this nine months i had a big bundle of several notebooks filled with lots of stories anecdotes and conversations now when i look back into this notebooks it is shocking to learn how much i left out from my field i still have lots of materials in these notebooks by the time i arrived at my research site i had several discussions with professor joyce and other friends about the key concept of vernacular islam even before this i read dale eckelman's famous essay on local islams i also liked the idea of resolute localism of eng seng ho recently asmin saikia's book talked about lived islam as an emancipatory space on the other hand we have studies on moharam by vernon shulwell said that were high there david pinai richard wolf amy bard and karen ruffel from various aspects most importantly i have my favorite book jose trinidad by frank coron always with me while traveling and doing field research we also have studies on different schools of sufisms from carlanes to carla bellamy adding to this we recently began to understand how hindu muslim encounters work in a religious space i had to deal with this trajectory of local vernacular lived islam the moharam studies and hindu muslim encounters the public event moharam is a blend of multiple aspects of devotion and social life it has a fascinating literary and oral narratives amazing rituals 
and devotional practices. And there has been an interesting and intriguing dimension of Islamic mysticism. So when I started gathering materials, transcribing them from Telugu and Urdu oral narratives and translating them into English, which itself is a challenging task, I realized that my work is not just a childhood memory of fascinating stories and the night-long religious displays of the metal battle standards of the martyrs of Karbala. I have to deconstruct my childhood and its tender movements, which is very painful. But it is the need to understand myself and my communities and their love for this public storytelling of Mahara. I was so fascinated by these new stories that every day returning from the field, I would narrate these stories to my wife Kalpana and son Anil. And they, they come up with new questions and then I respond to them. That's all part of process, actually. In the process, based on my field experiences and various key transformations, 